If you'd like to get started with this literature-based education that creates more connection and freedom in your home, go ahead and download a free sample of the Peaceful Press resources. We'll link it in the show notes, and it just creates this beautiful connection in your family as you read stories and talk about them and write about them and look at beautiful art together and read beautiful poetry together. It brings so much joy and peace and calm to your homeschool as you create a more family-centered, connected way of learning with the Charlotte Mason literature-based resources from the Peaceful Press. This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. And in this session of the Restoration Home Podcast, we're talking about the Benedictine rule of stewardship and the power of stewardship to really make a change for good in our families and communities. Today on the show, I'm talking to Leah Bowden. I'm so excited about this. She is on Instagram at Modern Miss Mason, and she has a beautiful new book about the Charlotte Mason method called Modern Miss Mason. And we're going to talk today about how the Charlotte Mason method is such a good tool for stewarding our children's education. Thanks for joining me, Leah. Thanks for having me, Jan. It's great to be here. And congratulations on the success of your podcast. Oh, I'm so excited about these conversations we're having about the Benedictine rule and just how they can be applied to modern family life. So tell me a little bit about your own educational journey, Leah. Yeah, so um, I I wasn't home educated. I was brought up in the normal kind of traditional British education system. I was introduced to home education when I was at Bible College in the States after graduating from university. And it definitely, that's where this little seed of something that was sown into my life that um, really the Lord kind of reared back up and allowed to come into fruition when I was a young mother and had um a school age child and suddenly recognizing you know signed her up for uh reception which i guess is like pre k and i remember walking her down the street about to t- do her first day at school and she had a little they wear their way uh, children wear uniforms here even from the age of like 3 and 4 it's it's really sad <laughs> And I was holding her hand and this just this, it's almost like it was the germination of the seed. I was suddenly aware of, I didn't want to do this. This is not what we want. This is not the plan. Um, And that thought really triggered a whole journey for Dave and I, my husband. And we, I obviously, as often mothers we are, kind of was racing ahead of the research game and Dave was trying to catch up with what what are we doing what's going on and we didn't know any home educators I think eventually we knew one family so we felt very alone in the and they're really pioneering this sense of how do we um envision this for our family and it wasn't just as many people know it wasn't just about education it was about grasping a vision for our family and beginning to see how we could work this out so that's where everything started for us and very early on in my research stage I discovered Charlotte Mason and um, I did read widely and I kind of came into contact with many of the pedagogies and philosophies but 
Charlotte's work and her continued reputation, I guess, really struck me. And the fact that she was British. Um, that you know, so it really began there. That's where that's where our story began, and uh, we haven't looked back since. So, so many families hear about the Charlotte Mason method and they get excited. They think, oh, that sounds great. But then they have this problem in that they think, oh, we could do that, but we need to add on a lot of traditional curriculum as well because we're afraid of missing something and having holes. What do you say to those families? Um, I think that it all depends on how you're introduced to the Charlotte Mason philosophy. So when I first started, I was introduced to her work through her words. So I read her six volumes. I had a few other things, but we didn't have Instagram. I didn't have social media. I had some bloggers. I'd connected with Lynn Seddon over here in the UK who was kind of a year ahead of me, had our daughters of the same age, our eldest daughters. And I just started to see patterns of how people were putting this into practice um, before I saw any programs. So I think, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses of social media is that actually people are often introduced to Charlotte Mason via a curriculum or a program, and they, they see the limitations in that. Or or they will, um, lots of people come to Charlotte Mason through nature study or when their children are very young. And so they see this as a limitation that they don't know anything further than that. But actually the philosophy, Charlotte Mason's philosophy was deep and wide um, from, you know, covered children from very young through to going into the university age. And every subject you can think of, she covered. So I, my, I guess my comment with that is um, that's unfortunately a wrong understanding. And I would say, um, you know, come and have a chat. Let me help you um, have a deeper understanding of that um, because there really are no limitations. And, you know, we have walked through um, with our four children over many, many years. My eldest is, is going to be 21 this year. And um, it's been incredible. And, you know, the, I think it is it is as wide and deep as you want it to be. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it is the way that people were educated throughout the centuries. You know, in the in history, you look at even the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia, the way that in I think it's um, the horse and his boy, the way he was being educated is through reading and discussion through personal tutorials and not through reading something, filling in a multiple choice and then forgetting everything they learn. And and mostly people have been educated through great stories because stories grip your heart in a way that a little piece of text that is pulled out of any kind of connection to humanity that doesn't stick with our children. So to think that we have to squeeze the literature in after we have filled in the blanks of a history workbook and filled in the blanks of a science workbook is really unfortunate because we miss out on all these beautiful discussions that really shape the hearts of our children and right. shape a worldview. 
Right. And, you know, C.S. Lewis was educated that way too. He had um, books. He was left at home alone and he had books and books and books and then talked around the table with them. So that's why that kind of lifestyle crept into his storytelling and how he wanted other children to understand that. But yeah, I think you're right, Jen. What happens is over the years we have... I guess for, I mean, I can speak for here for the UK with the national curriculum, there is almost a a kind of a watering down, a adults interpreting the world for children for the purpose of standardized learning. Whereas education and knowledge, which is the language of Charlotte Mason, comes from adults getting out of the way of the stories and getting out of the way of of the maths and the and the and the nature and the art and the poetry and the music and saying hey let me know what you think tell me what comes out of the out inside of you when you read this story listen to this music experience this 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 foreign language look at this maths equation tell me what you think and and, and let's work this through together and so adults are very much as part of that discussion and those narrations, but we are asking for the child's contribution. Uh, and in that, the knowledge becomes their own. And it's really powerful. And um, that's what I've spent many, many years trying to understand and implement with my family. Yeah, I there's a John Ruskin quote that I love. He talks about how true education is not just knowing what is right, but wanting to do what is right. He says, um, this is the direct quote, the entire object of true education is to make people not merely do the right things, but enjoy the right things, not merely industrious, but love industry, not merely learned, but to love knowledge, not merely pure, but to love purity, not merely just, but to hunger and thirst after justice. And I think that what is missing when we focus so much on standardized education is that real true education. The object of education isn't that your child can recite the presidents or know the states and capitals or do their math facts. That's a pretty basic and shallow view of education. What education really should be is shaping a heart and helping a child know good and evil through the many stories they've read and and in our perspective through the many scripture verses they've read um, to be able to identify beautiful art from counterfeit, to be able to listen to poetry and, you know, listen to something like earth is charged with the grandeur of God. It's, it's spun out like oil from shook foil. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm misquoting a Gerard Manley Hopkins no, poem, I, I, I but it's I'm like, you. you know, there, there's, there's so much beauty in the world yeah. that we can be exposing our children to. Mm-hmm. And yet we give them these shallow little workbooks that, that don't touch their hearts at all and leave them with a very, um, I feel almost a hopeless, almost a nihilistic worldview when when everything is so shallow, when everything is so utilitarian in a sense, and there's no depth at all. I think that it we're missing something important. Yeah. And I think that, you know, home educating parents can get caught up in the sense of maybe responsibility and this feeling of I, I, I've got to get my children through this. I don't want to uh, let them down. I don't want them to be gaps, and and I think that kind of thinking um, is is natural and normal. But actually, we have to think bigger than that. And when we understand, you know, Charlotte Mason said that we need to have an educational philosophy and not just a fix this, tick this, do this, get them through, but actually take time to establish your own educational philosophy. 
And we talk about it a lot, don't we? Having knowing your why and that why being an anchor through the years. And here we are, you know, many years down the line of educating our children. And has it been, uh, you know, has it been a breeze? Probably not. But we we are still passionate. We're chatting here today, both of us, incredibly passionate about educating our children at home because we're playing the long game. And that is generally because we, for me. I've grasped my own philosophy and um, understanding of children and of education, and then everything else fits in around that. Like, okay, how do I make this creatively out of the wisdom of God? How do I apply this every day with my family? And that's so life-giving, isn't it? It's so, I mean, it's not boring. (laughs) I mean, if you try doing those tick boxes and work boxes, I mean, it'll, you know, you might feel great when you've closed a book and finish it, but it's, it's, it, it, you don't, I don't want you to be bored. I don't want listeners to be bored of their life with their children. And I just think there's so much more. There's so much more. Yeah. Uh, one of the Benedictine quotes that I love is he talks about the monastery being a school for the service of the Lord. Mm. And I think Charlotte Mason actually said something similar to that when a teacher was coming to her for training. But I think that is one of the things that we need to get a hold of as we're home educating is that this isn't about just getting our kids ready for college. Like homeschooling with the Charlotte Mason method can get our children ready for college. No problem. Yeah. It, it, you know, it can help them know how to synthesize a text. It can yeah. help them know how to learn, um, you know, great math and science skills. Anything they want to do is in reach for them in home educating. And really, in in the last four years of high school, like even if you didn't uh, maybe address basic skills as well as you should have in the early years and and focus more on story and play and nature study. Still, in the last four years of high school, they could easily get the essay writing skills, yeah. the math skills, everything they needed to really excel in college in any field. But what we aren't missing out on is that Deuteronomy 6 in in our in our homeschools we are able to talk to our children about our values about our worldview about right. the love of God as we rise up as we lie down you know part of my homeschool routine right now we're doing a John Eldridge uh, resilience it's like 30 days to resilience in our morning. So we have morning Bible reading. We have a morning time to pause and and just listen to uh, scripture and listen to quiet music that helps us attune to the love and the comfort of God. And that is something you, you cannot duplicate in any kind of school setting. So it's not so much that we are you know, I think people worry, oh, are there going to be holes? Are there going to be gaps? But we're not just not going to have holes and gaps. We are going to be helping them to connect with the creator of the universe. And and for sure, there's nothing missing and nothing broken when we have that shalom of God. Mm, indeed. And, and I always see it as, especially within this particular pedagogy that I've spent so much time working, researching and practicing, is that I actually see it as I'm I'm a uh, a door holder. I, I get to open this big wide door and say, "Come and encounter the world that God has created for you, and the things within it, the people, the creators, the authors, the the, the musicians, the artists, the mathematicians, the scientists." And we get to hold the door and allow them to come in, 
not just for 12 years, <laughs> but for life. And you really are inviting them in to um, to nurture a garden, to be able to plant their own seeds. And I mean, Charlotte Mason used these kind of analogies all the time. She talked about um, when a child digs for knowledge, it becomes their own possession. So you are inviting them in to do the work. And as soon as you've got that kind of going, then you set them up for life. So this is why, I mean, when people say, what if there are gaps and how can you possibly teach them everything? I, I was like, well, that's never my goal. No, I can't teach them everything. Yes, I do have limitations, but I can introduce them to this incredible world of, of knowledge and education. and They get to do that themselves. And I've seen that with my uh, teenage and adult children, that they are continuing to dig for knowledge and work out their life uh, despite you know in spite of what I know and what I've shown them and I love that they've gone into fields that I have never even touched and that really shows that you've given them skills and not just facts yeah that's so good and you know the other thing I think that is important to recognize as we're teaching through literature is just the way it helps them have more understanding you know my son had a junior high history textbook because he was doing a co-op class and so they issued a textbook that was connected to a charter school which is a state-sponsored school and so in that textbook the way they addressed Stalin's USSR was that some people thought his plans were good. And uh, I mean, they brushed over the fact that he killed millions of people, completely glossed over it. But when you read a book like Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormbrand, or The Pastor's Wife by Sabina Wormbrand, or Alexi's Secret Mission, or Mig Pilot, there are so many books that you can read that give you this human look you know, a day in the life of Ivan Denisovich, a human look at what the cost to humanity was under Stalin's USSR. And that, that when you understand that, then you will not repeat that history. But when you get, when you get a glossed over, um, like bit of history and it has no connection to the human suffering involved or, or on the flip side, when you get human suffering that is amplified towards an agenda instead of true stories and primary sources, you get a distortion. And so I think it's just another reason why it's so important to teach from literature instead of textbooks, because you cannot convey the same depth and the same, you cannot help your children develop empathy in the same way yeah. through a text. Yeah. And again, it's taking the interpretation out and allowing the child in. And what, you know, and the school system is required to teach a certain way and have certain outcomes. Therefore, the books they will produce for children and ask them to read has all that wrapped up in it. But we don't get to, we don't have to do that. All those books you just listed, those living fabulous books are can be part of a child's growing understanding and education of their character and their mind. Yeah. And another way, you know, in, in a Charlotte Mason or literature-based education, the way that we prove, because I think this is where moms get hung up too, is how can I prove my child learned something when all we did was read books all day? And so the way that we prove learning is through timelines, through narration, and through notebooking. And maybe there's not going to be as much information laid out. You know, an eight-year-old child, a 10-year-old child is not going to be able to write a full essay on what they learned. They're not going to be recording maybe multiple, multiple bits of information. They're going to record what was interesting to them. But we don't 
we we don't need to worry about what is inside like when we are when we are conveying information this way they are thinking about it they're meditating on it you know my child uh, has been reading about Louis Zamperini, who was shipwrecked. And he can tell me how many days Louis Zamperini was shipwrecked. If it was from a text, I don't think he'd retain anything. But because the story was there and he knew how he suffered, he could tell me he was in a rubber raft for 47 days. And so I think, you know, that notebooking and narration is the proof that they're learning. But I don't think we have to worry so much about the proof no. as long as we keep putting you know spreading the feast so to speak yeah and i think the the i mean the the fact is that the narrations oral narrations written narrations compositions um or you know book of centuries timelines all those things are a reflection of their learning and also if you're at a stage where children are at the oral narration narration stage, you can record them on your iPhone. You can jot notes down while they're talking. You can reflect afterwards and write down what you felt that they've been learning and how they've progressed. I mean, I, I've never seen that as a limitation. I've got files and files of things for throughout my whole all my children's childhoods where I've I could say if I was required to look look and see what they've learned. But also the the fruit is seen in our children's lives and when they start to make connections so charlotte mason talked about education being the science of relations of a relationship and some of what we see and sometimes it takes time to see this but the more that they are engaged with with knowledge and understanding they begin to tie these threads together and one of my favorite phrases that children say is when they say that reminds me of, and they pull in something else that they maybe read last month, or a a, a painting they saw last year, or a, a view they they saw, I, and I love that. That excites me, and I think that is like the the golden prize for a, a Charlotte Mason home educating mum when your children begin to see that say that reminds me of, and again, there I'd be writing all those things down. Yeah. And, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, John James Audubon, so many of these men who really made an impact on culture, the way they learned was by observation and notebooking and narration. And they were able to write down their own thoughts, their own ideas about things. And that's what helped them grow as people. Absolutely. And, you, and simple. I mean, you look at people like the the diary of an Edwardian lady who is a, was a, a British woman who lived not far from where I live, um, she died when she was like really young in her early twenties, but yet for some reason, her book of observations and note-taking has lasted out, outlived her for many, many years, because there's something about those natural connections and the simplicity of just observing something, writing it down and that forming that, that really formed who she became this naturalist just from having that, um, you know, that kind of rhythm and that habit, which is stewardship, isn't it, Jen? It's saying, I'm going to steward this passion. I'm going to steward this responsibility to be an attentive, observant person. And I'm going to write these things down. And I do it. I do it with, uh, I guess, commonplacing is like that, isn't it? Saying this word, these, these words have impacted me. This paragraph has made a difference. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to remember it. Yeah, for sure. Both of us as authors, that is what we've done is we've been yeah. studying, we've been learning. And so then the outflow of that are our books, which are a yeah. reflection of, of what we care about. That's right. And that's the object, you know, another Charlotte Mason idiom or or 
expression is that the object of education is not how much the child knows, but how much they care at the end of their education. I love that idea. So one of the ways that families can learn more about the philosophy of education is with your new book, The Modern Miss Mason. Do you want to say a few words about that? Yeah. So Modern Miss Mason is really a kind of a walk through what the Charlotte Mason philosophy is and reflected in the light of a 21st century home. It does tell a bit of our story, but really it's my years and years of research and wide reading. And I've taken what aspects um, that get brought up in questions and coaching calls over and over again. And I've thought, okay, these are the things that are on people's hearts and minds and um, applied that, yeah, put that into a book. And it's hard to get everything in, as you know, Jen. Um, But it covers things like the habit of attention, nature study, uh, and, and the book is split into three. So it really looks at childhood, education, and motherhood. So there is a whole third of the book which which talks about uh, motherhood as well, which was fun to write. So yeah, I'm so yeah, I'm really grateful for your book because with my curriculum, the Peaceful Press, we yeah. are applying a Charlotte Mason education to modern families, choosing the books that really moved our hearts. Yeah, but I think for some Charlotte Mason purists, they think only what was written in the 1800s or only what Charlotte Mason actually used is uh, acceptable, and I think that's a very limited way to look at a Charlotte Mason or literature-based education. So I'm thankful for your work to help families apply it to their own lives and their own values. Yeah. And that was really the heart behind it. I, I, I'm never, I, I don't do book lists and I'm not very, I don't really tell people how to do things. I am the heart of the Charlotte Mason philosophy and what I've lived out over many, many years is how to be, you know, how to kind of encompass this understanding and then the overflow of my life impacts my children and how I then practice this edu- these educational methodology in my home. So yeah, and I and I think again, you know, you we do, I guess that word is banded around. I try not to use the term purist because I don't really think it exists, Jen. But um again, I think it's dependent on how you're introduced to the Charlotte Mason philosophy. And if then you are introduced to a program which is full of really old books that are really hard to get hold of, then you it's it's difficult to course correct and to kind of like get out of this mindset of, uh, so the phrase I've used for many, many years is help. let me help you find your freedom within the philosophy. And that's definitely what you do as well through your work is uh, we get to shake that stuff off and you know look at our beautiful unique families and walk it out in the light of who they are not of what the philosophy or the methodology dictates so I think that's very liberating and and that's very much what the book's about yeah I'm so excited about it and families can find that at Amazon and your website we'll go ahead and link that in the show notes as well well thanks for joining me today Leah it's just been such a pleasure to talk about our shared love for our children and for this journey of learning alongside them thank you thank you thank you for having me Jen